Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. So this morning, I'm excited to begin a series, a fresh new series called Whole Soul. Whole Soul. And we are going to be talking about this for probably the entire month of February. And uh, what we're going to be answering specifically today, but throughout the month as a whole, but specifically today, we're going to be endeavoring to answer the question, what does the human soul need to be healthy and whole? What does the human soul need to be healthy and whole? As you already know, uh, we have a theme that we are gathering around for the messages for this entire year, and it's the word wholeness. It's, it's wholeness. And uh, uh, Jill actually alluded to it, that God wants us to be whole. And so this entire year, we are going to be gathering around wholeness because of that very reason. God wants us to be whole. And here's the deal. It is impossible for us to become whole in our lives unless we talk about becoming whole on a soul level. It's impossible. To be whole is to be whole in your soul. See, our soul is actually the landscape, the human landscape that Jesus works in to bring wholeness to our lives. His work is done in the human soul. So the first thing that I want you to know this morning is that our God wants you and I to be healthy and whole in our soul. We see this in 3 John verse 2. I don't know if you've ever read 3 John, but it's just not even, I don't even think there's chapters. It's just verses for one chapter. But in 3 John verse 2, we see God's heart for us to be whole and healthy in our soul. It says this, now John is once again, this is John, the disciple that Jesus loved. Isn't that so funny that he gave him that own title for himself? If I was writing an epistle, it would be the same. It'd be like, Caleb, the one that is the most awesome one that Jesus ever met on the earth. It would just be like my, my tagline, you know what I mean? And so the one that, that Jesus loved is writing to the church as a whole, but he's specifically writing to a, a well-known Christian at the time named Gaius. And he writes this, he says... Beloved, that is Gaius, he says, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your, say it, soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. The message translation words it this way, it says, I pray for good fortune in everything that you do and for your good health, that your everyday affairs prosper as well as your soul. Not like, and I want your soul to prosper too, but in addition to your soul being healthy and whole, I want your everyday affairs to prosper as well. It sh- this, this, this verse, this scripture, it shows us two things. Number one, it shows us that God wants every human being to have a prosperous soul. A prosperous soul is a healthy soul. A prosperous soul is a complete soul. It's a whole soul. It's not a soul that is damaged and broken and divided and fractured. It's a healthy, complete, whole soul. The second thing that this scripture shows us is this. Until our souls are healthy, 
No amount of external prosperity will fulfill us. He said, I want your everyday affairs to prosper just as your soul prospers. The soul prosperity comes first before the external prosperity. Why? Because external prosperity will not do anything to bringing prosperity in your soul unless your soul is first healthy and whole. It just won't. And so he, it's not that God doesn't want to bless us, but I think we need to understand the order in which he wants us to be healthy and whole. He wants us to prosper on a soul level before we prosper anywhere else. It said, I pray that you would prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. Until your soul is satisfied, no amount of success, status, prosperity, etc. will ultimately fulfill you. You see, what this verse seems to imply is that your soul health and wholeness does not move from the outside in. It moves from the inside out. This is actually the order that we have. Prosperity externally does not produce prosperity internally. Amen. You see, what this verse seems to imply is, once again, that your soul health is important. Now, how do I know that prosperity externally does not ultimately produce prosperity internally? Here's why. Because every one of us has met someone that on the outside, it seems like they have everything they could ever want, and yet they are still unhappy. Do you know every one of us, it's, it, this is just part of the human condition. We are looking to someone thinking, man, if I had what they have, it is a sick cycle. There'll never be enough. And, and that's how I know that prosperity externally does not ultimately produce prosperity internally. In order for your soul to prosper, it has to be an internal thing. And then it flows from there. So listen, if God wants us to have a prosperous soul, which we see in 3 John verse 2, he does, and a prosperous soul is a soul that is healthy and whole, then once again, going back to the original question that I had for you at the beginning, what does the human soul need to be healthy and whole? What does it need? Wouldn't you want to know what your soul needs for it to be healthy and whole? So let's move into that before we do. Let's pray. Will you bow your head, close your eyes? Jesus, I thank you for this amazing group of people in this room. God, I ask that you would speak to us. God, I thank you that worship tilled the ground of our soul so that the seed of your word could be sown this morning. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to what needs to be spoken to that the message that the Holy Spirit wants to communicate this morning would extend far beyond what I can even articulate. God, have your way in our hearts and souls. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does the human soul need to be healthy and whole? Well, for, before we answer that question, we actually need to understand what the soul is. What is the soul? Because here's why it's important for us to understand, by the way, you understanding your soul is actually you understanding yourself more than you've ever understood yourself before. For you understanding your, what your soul is, 
It's to better understand yourself. So what is the soul? The soul, by uh, four things I want to talk about, the human soul, but by just kind of common cultural understanding about the soul, we see that the soul is comprised of three things. Number one, it's your mind. Say your mind. Okay? That's not your brain. Your thoughts obviously are interconnected with your brain, but your brain is the physical anatomy. Your mind is something entirely different. It's the thoughts that you have, the thoughts that you think. When Jesus, when Scripture says, I know the thoughts that you think, says the Lord, Jesus is identifying that he knows you on a soul level. Your mind is your thoughts. It is your mindset, your patterns of thinking, your intellectual processes. The second thing is the will. Say the will. will. The will is your desires, your passions, your inclinations, your motives, ambitions, your drive for life. That's the will. Number three, your emotions, your feelings, your natural instincts, your mood or your attitude. A simplified version of what your soul is, is this. It is who you are on the inside. Not not at an anatomically molecular level, but who you are on the inside. That's what your soul is. I love Pastor Judah Smith in a book um, that he wrote uh, about the soul. He said this, your soul is who you are on the inside. Your soul is your internal reality. Not the Instagram or Facebook, Facebook or TikTok version of yourself. Not the one that you project to everyone. Amen. Your soul has to do what is, what, with what is really going on on the inside of you. Your soul may not even be what you show people, but your soul is definitely what God sees. It's the truth behind the curtain not the perception that we push. It's the person on the inside behind the worn-out smile. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's the anger behind the bless God on a Sunday morning, where you can be angry at God, but you greet people with bless God. it's, it's, It's on the inside of you. Your soul is your inner you. King David expressed this simple truth in Psalm 103, verse 1, when he said this. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he follows it up with, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What was David saying? David was saying that the human soul is all that is within you. It's the inside you. It's who you are on the inside that no one may never get to know. It's the real you, but God. Number three, your soul is unique to you. Your soul is unique. Everyone has a soul, but every soul is not the same. It's unique because though we all have a mind, we all think differently. Though we all have a will, we all have different desires. Though we all have emotions, we all process the world emotionally in different ways. It's unique to who you are. Listen. You are who you are because of your soul. And you are who you are because of the condition of your soul. You know, when we say hurt people hurt people, the reason why they are that way is because of what's going on in the soul. See, you are who you are because of your soul, but you are who you are also because of the condition of your soul. 
And let me just be honest at the beginning. You cannot shake the condition of your soul. It is what it is. And when you finally come to terms with how you really are on a soul level, that's when God can start to do work. But if you go through life just trying to deny, because this is what we do as a human tendency, what we do as human beings is we, we swallow it, we stuff it down, we stomach it, we, we seek out distractions, we try to act like it's not that big of a deal when it really is, but guess what? It's going nowhere, it's still lingering in your soul. Your soul is unique to you, but your soul is more than just your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's, it's more than just your internal makeup. And I believe that this next truth about the soul is the most important truth about it. Because listen, when you understand this next truth about your soul, you are better equipped to understand what your, your soul needs to be healthy and to be whole. The word soul used in 3 John verse 2 was a Greek word. And this Greek word means this, the very breath or essence of life. The second meaning of that word in 3 John verse 2 is the vital force which brings animation to a human being. The third and probably the most important is this, that that essence which differs from the body in that it is not dissolved by death. That is so deep. What does this tell us about the soul? And I want you to pay close attention. Number one, if the soul is the very breath or essence of life, then somebody had to breathe on it. Number two, your soul, if your soul is the very vital force which brings animation, then there had to be an animator to produce the animation. And number three, if your soul is that essence which differs from the body and is not dissolved by death, then what that tells us about the soul is the soul is eternal in nature. You have something eternal in your finite being. It's the soul. God placed it there inside of you. It's so important for us to understand, listen, the fact that every human being has a soul indicates that someone eternal placed it on the inside of every human being to produce life and animation. The fact that you and I possess a soul is the very evidence that God exists. Your soul indicates that you have an eternal designer and creator. See, you have to, listen, there's an atheist. Atheists can't argue that something eternal does not exist if they agree that inside of them there's a soul. Because how did the soul get there? How do you have a mind? How do you, how do you have a will? How do you have emotions? Listen, you were not brought into the world because at some point in your mother's womb, the heart just started beating out of nowhere. Who caused it to beat? How does the heart start to beat even though it's not fully developed? It was a spark. And can we be honest? Let's talk about abortion. We're not aborting, just aborting flesh. We're aborting souls that God sparked into existence in the womb of a mother. There is a little bit more gravity 
to that reality. Are you understanding what I'm saying? We're actually aborting souls that God has, by the miracle of life, allowed to just start. It's the animation. This is so crazy. Listen, without your soul being healthy, what happens to human beings? They just become shells. Paul called us tents. This human body is just a tent. The, sh the soul, the body is the tent for the soul. And, and why did I say shells? Because you have to hear this. How many times have you used and heard in modern language that person is broken and they are just a shell of their former self? It's because they're not healthy in their soul. They're sick on a soul level. See, what your soul needs to be most healthy is to be consistently reconnecting to its source. To be consistently reconnecting to its source. The soul's source and origin is not in this world. It had a designer. And every one of us, every human being on the planet has a mind, has a will, has an emotion. And that's the soul. And so we cannot argue with the reality that that soul had to have an origin. We can, we can argue about the origin of the body. It's the composition of a mom and dad coming together in a physically intimate way. Yes, but where did the soul come from? The soul had its origin and source in someone who sparked, breathed, animated, and it will extend beyond this life. See, you have eternity on the inside of you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Here's what's interesting. God placed the soul inside of every human being just so that we would know what would ultimately fulfill it. The longings and desires of our souls for love, intimacy, destiny, purpose, perfection, satisfaction, for fulfillment and meaning, every one of these desires is actually an eternal longing for the one who designed the soul. And these longings will only, this is so important, will only be temporarily subdued when they are satisfied by the things of this life. And you know the truth of this, the sad state of most of humanity is that we, we temporarily, over and over again, subdue the longing of the soul by things in this world. Do you know why I know that God exists? Because I live perpetually unsatisfied by anything in this world. That is evidence to me that God is real. Why do we desire what we desire? Why intrinsically in the human heart do we long for a place without pain or striving or hard work? Because God placed it there. All of it is a trail of breadcrumbs back to who sparked the soul into existence. See, Ecclesiastes 3.1, Solomon talked about the soul, and he talked about the reality of its origin. Listen, it says this in 3.11, it says, God has set eternity in the human heart. Listen, 
God has set eternity in you by placing something eternal in you. Deposited inside of every human heart is a longing of the soul that leads back to God. Since the beginning of time, humanity has tried to make sense of this planet and this world through religion and through the existence of various forms of God. What is the reason for that? The reason for that is that no human soul can escape the soul's longing for God because God has deposited in every human being a craving for him. Your soul is actually the craving for God. Your mind, your will, and emotions. Now, so many of us are like, well, I mean, there's so many people that don't believe in God. Um, that's true. And it's as simple as this. It's because they are trying to feed the appetite of the soul in a misdirected way by thinking things in this world will appease it. See, if you're going to talk to someone that doesn't believe anything about God, ask them, do you have a soul? Well, no. Well, how could you even come to that conclusion if you couldn't think? The fact that you have a mind is evidence that you have a soul. So what does your soul need to be most healthy and whole then? Let me introduce you to the one who sparked it into existence. The source of the soul. See, David knew what his soul needed and its longing for God. Psalm 42.1, it says, As the deer pants for water, so my soul pants or thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Listen to me, David was not identifying what would personally satisfy his soul. God is not just some personal thing that some people go to with their soul to get fulfill fulfillment and meaning. What David was saying is this is not just personal. I am identifying what every soul on the planet means, needs. Every human soul finds its health and its wholeness in returning back to God because God is the source of the soul's creation. Why do you think Jesus said this in Matthew 4, 4, when he was absolutely starving, had no bread, he was fasting for 40 days, and he said, mankind shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What he was identifying was that even within himself, there was a craving to be reconnected to his father. There's so much in this scripture. What is bread? Bread is something that you can make with your hands or buy from somebody else. One of the meanings of this scripture is that bread is symbolic of what the world can provide. But Jesus was saying you can have all the bread in the world and still be starving because your soul has an appetite to be connected to its creator. To know God, to hear God, to be in communion with God. Listen, every single person in the room needs to make this acknowledgement. Until you acknowledge the truth that your soul is eternal and longs for God, then your soul will never be healthy and whole. It never will. You have to acknowledge that truth, that your soul is eternal, therefore it needs something eternal to bring fulfillment to it. Your soul has an appetite to be connected to its creator. When you substitute your soul's connection to God with the things this world has to offer, you are subjecting your soul to perpetual dissatisfaction. Our souls need to be connected on a continual basis. They need to be recharged, refreshed, restored, replenished. 
by time with God. That's why Jill said the soul was designed to be in the presence of God. That's why you can have people that are searching come into an auditorium or a sanctuary and what really strikes them often the most is being in the middle of worship because where two or more are gathered, there he is in their midst and they may not even be able to verbalize and articulate it, but what they are feeling is, I feel like my soul has found home because it was designed to be in close proximity to its creator. See, in Genesis, we see that God designed human beings to be in close connection with him. The presence of God is oxygen to the soul. It is. It is. When you go a long-term time being acclimated to the presence of God and then go without it, your soul starts to starve. It starts to, it starts to crave. I don't know about you, but... One of the first services that we came back from COVID into a live auditorium, the presence of God was amazing. Why? It wasn't because everything was perfect on the stage. It was because where two or more are gathered, there he is in our midst, and your soul is getting... (gasps) (sighs) 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 The presence of God is oxygen for your soul. It is. Our souls were designed to be in close proximity with their designer. When we fail to recognize this need of our soul, this is when our souls become healthy. The reason why I want to dedicate so much time this month to this is because I know firsthand what this is like. How many of you have ever been in a place in your life where you're like, I can't even articulate it, but I just know on the inside I am not okay? Be honest. I'm not okay. I don't even know. It's crazy because Proverbs actually says that the, the heart of a man is like deep waters. Who can draw it out? Men, men have a difficult time with this. We know we're not okay. We can't even articulate and verbalize what it is. But in 2021, June of 2021, not even a year ago, I finally came to terms with the reality that I was not okay on the inside. Can I just say something? It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay because the alternative is lying about it (laughs) and hurting people and going to the wrong things that don't produce oxygen for the soul. You can't live in denial, Ohio. You You have to realize when you're not okay. And I was not okay. That's all I could determine. When I am doing introspection, I'm just not okay. And it was in 2021, June of 2021, and that was six months from 2020, the end of 2020, and um, I don't know if you remember this, but there was like a pandemic in 2020. (laughs) Um, I think that we all have to agree that it is not a lack of faith to understand how big of a deal a pandemic is. Like, Maybe if it didn't actually, maybe it didn't affect you physically, but mentally it messed with everybody. It did. I, I don't, if, if it didn't mess with you, you're lying. Because there's no manual for a pandemic. We can't interview people from 1920 and be like, what was it like for you? Especially 
when we live in a world that is overconnected everywhere and then you go into isolation overnight. It's just not healthy. And so I wasn't ever really afraid during, during 2020. I wasn't really af- afraid, but this is what, this is the effect that it had on me. 2020 affected me just like it affected most everyone else. For me, it wasn't necessarily the fear, it was the disconnection and isolation. The inability to move forward. That was huge for me. Because when you, when you cannot determine the end date, you lose hope. Most of us can endure something that's difficult if we know when it's over. But when it continues to linger, that is toxic for your soul because you don't have hope to hold on to. See, when I look back at the pandemic, what has been most damaging to my soul is the inability to have hope because of the unpredictability of the future. So it lingered and lingered and lingered and lingered. And if you've ever had just, basically, I was just lending myself to perpetual disappointment because I'm like, maybe at the end of the month, everything will come back to normal. And we're still here. And I finally got to the point in 2021 where I just recognized I am not okay. And it's okay for a pastor to not be okay. It's okay. Listen, I told the, the worship team, this is my honest confession. Fire me if you want. Who's going to preach next Sunday? But <laughs> maybe Jill. <laughs> be prepared. <laughs> Y'all in the Lion King song, but. Pretty much all of 2021 until June, every time I preached, it was because I had to, not because I wanted to. And it was because of the condition of my soul. And I'm going to God, and I'm getting on my knees, and I'm praying because I don't really have anything, and I know I'm not okay, but I know that the people need something. And listen, I'm not saying like, woe is me. I'm just saying every one of us can agree with that. Whether you're a mom and you're like, I'm on empty and I am not okay in my soul, but my kids need me. Or a husband or a father, or I am not okay in my soul, but I have to make a paycheck. We have to be okay not being okay. We have to come to the terms that sometimes... We are not okay on a soul level. And here's what I found was the reason why my soul was not okay. I was going to the wrong things to feed my soul. How can you say that as a pastor? Listen, when you as a pastor come before God to pray about a sermon, it's a business transaction sometimes. So I finally had to realize, you know what? I'm done in June. And the next time I come to God, it's because my soul needs oxygen. It's not because I'm trying to give anybody anything. Some of you need to be selfish with the status of your soul, and you need to go to God with your soul to get the oxygen that it needs because you have been deprived for so long. And you're running on E and you're giving people stale bread. 
And it's all fake and a facade. And, you're, and listen, you are a shell of your former self. See, when you don't have, when your soul does not get oxygen from its source, you don't have any animation, so you are alive, but you're really not thriving or living. You know this because you go to a restaurant and you look down and you see two people that are just shells ordering food just to get their stomach full. Worn out and weary. See, this was me, so I had to start to get, so Allison probably didn't realize this, but I started ordering a couple books. One of the books I ordered was um, this book I referenced from Judah Smith called How's Your Soul? And it was therapy to read it. I would go out in the middle of the day, probably when I'd come home from work, and I'd go out into my front yard under the shade of a tree, and it'd be like 110 degrees. But I promise you it was therapy for my soul because he was able to articulate everything that I was feeling on the inside. And some of the healing is simply someone being able to verbalize how you feel. So I'm reading this book, and then I start reading these other books, and, and over time, it actually becomes a place where my soul is being restored and fresh, refreshed by the presence of God. But can I tell you something? Your soul will never be healthy unless you go to the source simply so that your soul can get what it needs. See, it, we have to understand this. My soul was craving for connection with God for no other reason than for its own health. David understood this. Psalm 23, 1 through 3, and I'm going to get into the re what happens when you don't go to God with your soul. Psalm 23, 1 through 3, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We're going to be talking about that next week. What your soul needs next week for you to know is your soul needs rest. And God will force you to sit down. David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. <sighs> Don't get up. And what ends up happening? He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. David knew what his soul needed. When was the last time you approached God with no agenda? other than to be recharged, refreshed, and restored. Now, David said this, this is amazing, in that verse, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you are connected with God, your wants diminish. Yeah. Your wants diminish. The things you actually think you want, when you spend time with God, you lose interest. Why? Because you have been confused you think that your soul wants that. But when you spend time with God and he restores your soul, you identify that what your soul really wanted was not a new car. It was the presence of God. Because when I turn on the car, I don't know if you know this, but it doesn't produce oxygen for my soul. That AC is not oxygen for your soul. And about six months down the road, you'll realize that you got tricked and bamboozled thinking that that would fulfill the longing of something eternal by something material. Do you know the entire capitalistic environment capitalizes on the longings of your soul? And it will convince you 
to misdirect your pursuit of what you need, which is really the oxygen and presence of God, by getting a new house, by getting a new car, by making more money. Listen, all those things are great, and God, on 3 John verse 2, said he wants to prosper you. But if your soul is not prospering, none of that stuff will satisfy and when you get into the presence of God and you experience the oxygen for your soul that comes with being with him, I'm telling you, your wants change. Because your soul has been reconnected to its source. The, another drink is not what your soul needs. Drugs are not what your soul needs. They are just temporary temporary subduing of that longing. The very fact that nothing in this world satisfies you is the indication that you were created for another world. I'm, I'm preaching this morning. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why do you think Jesus said in Matthew 63, 633 to the biggest crowd, he said this, but seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added to you. Why did he say seek first the kingdom, not seek last the kingdom? Because he knew that when you reconnect with the king of the kingdom, it satisfies the soul. And then the stuff that you thought you would, you would need later on in the day, you find you don't need it because your soul is stable, secure, and satisfied because it got oxygen at the beginning of the day. So much of us, we are spending money and we're aiming and working. Just, a, just coming up for air because we think going to Target on a spending spree will satisfy the longest. So I know I'm preaching to somebody right now. Just let you know, husbands, when your wife's like, I'm going to Target, you need to be like, you seek first the kingdom yet? What do he say? What was the woman at the well's problem? I've had five husbands. He said, no, 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 no. A husband is not the problem. You have a soul issue. Your soul's dry. That's why I said, ask me for a drink. Because I know that your soul is dry and I know your soul is desperate and you've been trying to fix an internal issue with an external thing. You think if I have another husband, I'll finally be fulfilled in my soul. And he's like, that's not the problem. See, listen, the eternal one came to him, came to her because he knew she had an eternal need. Her soul has been deprived of oxygen. So let me tell you, you don't need another husband. You need the water that I will give you because your soul is thirsty and it needs to be reconnected to its source. And we know the end of the story. What does she do? She takes off and she says, come and meet the one who has told me everything about my life. Did Jesus actually tell her everything about her life? No, because what happened, that's not what he did. What happened was her soul reconnected to its source, and there was something in her soul where peace came, where it said, I'm fully known. 
I have come to know the one who knows the inside of me. There's nothing in this world that will satisfy the longing of your soul because your soul does not have its origin in this world. If I could have Amy come up and play. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, he said, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world in exchange for his soul? What Jesus was identifying was the truth that we often try to fulfill the longing of our souls with temporary material things. And what Jesus is saying is it's not beneficial because the longing and craving of your soul will still be there even after you gain the whole world. You can have it all and still be empty. And on a small scale, that was what was happening over 2020. 2020, I made the most money I've ever made in my life. I got a new car. We renovated a bathroom. And when I look back at that, none of it made my soul better. None of it made my soul more whole. None of it made my, my soul more healthy because those things can't give my soul oxygen. They can't. Your soul has to go back to its source to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. See, this, there's an interesting thing in nutrition that one of the best things you can ever do at the beginning of the day is to drink about 16 ounces of water and continue that habit because here's the amazing thing is that the majority of your hunger appetite is actually dehydration that masks itself. Uh, what, what do I mean? The next time you're hungry, I want you to drink 16 ounces of water or yeah, drink 16 ounces of water, take your time and then see if your appetite goes away. I can tell you over and over again, uh, look at me, I've been eating, y'all. But the point is, I've been eating less frequently because I drink water first because I need to know what I actually need. The presence of God is the water for your soul. The next time you think you need something, it actually may be that your soul is dehydrated, it needs oxygen, it needs the presence of God, it needs to be reconnected with its source, and maybe when you do that, you will find that what you thought you needed, you actually don't need. It's the same principle. It's what our bodies do. See, there are millionaires and billionaires that have every single thing that every person could ever want, and they're still depressed. It's because that's not what solves it. So what does our soul need? Our soul needs to be connected with God. Not just one time, but it needs ongoing connection with God. It needs daily connection with God. Listen, so much of these spiritual disciplines can become so religious and so, but I'm just telling you on the other side of it, Let's simply put it, your soul needs to be connected with God on a daily basis. And it doesn't, your soul doesn't need to just read the Bible. Your soul doesn't need to set a timer and pray. Your soul doesn't need to have three worship songs every day to worship to. It's not about the discipline. It's about the connection. Connect. If none of that is working, ask God how to connect. 
because your soul needs the connection to be satisfied. The reason why we want to talk about this is not so that you will be healthy and whole, but I don't know about you, I don't know if you realize this, but we're living in an unhealthy and sick world, and our environments can be toxic. Our environments can be places where everything around us is not well, but if you are going to be a person that is going to be able to be well on the inside, you have to reconnect your soul to its source on a continual basis so that the environment around you does not create a toxic soul environment on the inside of you. It's so important, and I, I want to close with this, and then we're going to give you the time to come forward and recognize when you're not okay. Amy's playing a song called It Is Well. And this song was written by a, name, a man named Horatio Spafford. And I want, you to, I want you to hear about his story. This is a picture of him. He was very, very wealthy and successful businessman. He was a prominent lawyer and businessman who lived in Chicago in the late 1800s. He was happily married, proud father of four daughters and a four-year-old son. The Spafford family was well known in Chicago for their hospitality, their involvement in the abolitionist movement, and their support of Christian evangelists, including D.L. Moody. Horatio was heavily invested in Chicago real estate. The market was expanding and life was good. Then tragedy stuck, struck. In 1870, he lost his four-year-old son to scarlet fever. Just a few months later, the great Chicago fire hit and his investments were destroyed. Two years later, the family decided to vacation in Europe with some friends. The date came for them to go on the ship, but at the last moment, Horatio was detained by real estate business. So he sent his wife and four daughters ahead on the ship, intending to go over later. After several days, he received a now famous cable from his wife, and it began this way, saved alone. What shall I do? He learned that within 12 minutes of the ship departing, it was hit by another ship and all of his daughters drowned. Lost his son, lost his business, lost all of his daughters. The only one that was left alive was his wife. And it's in this moment, listen, it's in this moment that he has a choice to make. Where do I go with my soul? Because I could move town. I could redirect my business ventures. I can do all of these things. But I am sick and broken on a soul level. So what does he do? He gets before God. Because David said, he restores my soul. And he writes this song. It is well. Even though it wasn't well. Listen to the lyrics. He says, when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. 
that was not a denial of what happened. What he was saying was, as I came to the source for my soul with everything that is aching within me, he is satisfied and restored my soul. And now I can look back on this tragic situation and still be able to say, I'm okay here. Even though it was not well, it is well with my soul. He was not embracing the reality. God was actually healing his soul, restoring his soul. So here's my question as we close today. Will you stand with me? If I could have some prayer teams come forward. I want, I want, to, I want you to look, look at me. I can't look at everybody. But I say this with all sincerity in the context that we have. Are you okay? Yeah, man, I'm okay. I got, I got a job. Kids are fine. No, that's not what I asked you. Are you okay? That's a question of the condition of your soul. Are you still not over something? Has there been some sort of tragic event that's still lingering? Are you okay? How, how are you on a soul level? Are you sick? Are, are you okay? Because I don't want you to leave not being okay. Can I tell you something? One of the reasons why we have people here so you can come up to pray with is because you have to understand that confession is healthy for your soul. For you to come up, you're, some of us, I, 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 we need to stop lying. Some of us are like, well, I'll just take it to God. You actually, one of the ways you do that is you come before people and you say, I am not okay. And that very acknowledgement and step of humility, God says, I know you weren't, but you needed to know you weren't. And that was the step you needed to take for you to finally get, come to the point for you to really know you're not okay. So how's your soul? I don't believe that God wants you to go another day. I'll just say this way. Until you actually bear your soul, your soul can't bear it. Your soul can't take you holding it in another day and not coming before him to be reconnected to the source. So with every head bowed, every eye closed in the room, I'm just going to pray. And I am going to just pray. And if you're at a place right now where you just need, you need to come before some people that love you 
even if you can't articulate why. You just know on a soul level, you're not okay. There's nothing, I'm telling you, it is going to be health for your soul to come and receive prayer this morning. So Father, I pray over every single person in the room. God, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would give those that are hesitant, that are resistant, Father, the courage to step forward, to step out, God, so that they can have their soul tended to. God, you designed us for our souls to be healthy and whole, and God, there isn't anything better for our souls to receive oxygen when we come back to the source, the one that sparked it into existence. So God, I just ask, Lord Jesus, that you would give us courage this morning to acknowledge that we aren't okay. And it's okay for us to be that way. Minister to our souls this morning. In Jesus' name, if that's you, I just want you to come forward now. Don't hesitate. You might have hesitated too long. Don't hesitate. Come on. Were you going to say something? Okay. Yeah. Come on. As we're praying, there's another thing that I just want to provide an opportunity for. If you're in the room and you have never really had a personal relationship with God, I believe that this is a great opportunity for the soul inside of you for the first time to be connected to its source. God created you. God loves you. He has plans and purposes for your life. He designed you to be in relationship with him. And so across the room, that's a decision you make to believe in God through his son, Jesus. And so I'm just going to pray for those that would want to do that. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up? This is not so I can see. This is so that God sees it. But that is a decision that you want to make. If there's anybody in the room that wants to thank you. Anybody else in the room? Father, I pray that you would ignite a new birth inside of every hand that has been raised. God, your word says that we must be born again. So God, I pray right now that you would, Father, cause a new birth, a spiritual birth to come on the inside. Lord, you know the faith of the individual. You know the heart to want to believe. So God, I pray that today would be a fresh start. I pray that salvation would begin. The process of being born again would begin. We thank you that you make all things new. 
God, thank you, Lord, that you love our soul, that you come to have influence and dominion and reside in our soul, God. So fill us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, don't leave today. I'm just going to end here, but don't leave today not receiving prayer. If you know that you are not okay on the inside. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.